Really? Have none of you guys had organic yet? Where the average is like a 40? And that's an A or something? I don't know. Can't be an average today. But just, in, just so you, let me, let me let you put that in some perspective. Averages on the first exam, because I'm lazy and I just keep all the stats just stuck to the front, uh, it ranges anywhere from 71, 69, 77, 64, 62, 74. It's all over the map. So it's not necessarily indicative. I think you guys, I think last semester was last semester. They got like a 64. So yay, right? So uh, I think the high, I want to say somebody got like a 98 or something. And then the low was somewhere in the 30s, I think. Okay. So there were 14 A's, 14 A's, uh, 43 B's, 48 C's, 34 D's, and 71 F's. Which is about 105 of you with a D and F, which is almost half class. Kind of a norm on the first exam. <laughs> <laughs> so now you guys are like, oh my god, I think. So I, I want you guys, so um, I'll unmute the grades when lecture is over, but I honestly want you guys, if you did not get a good grade, <coughs> And if it's like the first time in your life, I don't know a mere mortal, this is not the case. But if you are not a mortal, and it's not the first time in your life that you've got anything like less than an A, it's going to be a punch in the gut if you didn't do well. It just is, okay? The sky is not falling. I promise you it is recoverable. Okay? Can I just, just trust me on that? Remember, you have that kind of replacement option on the final exam. So there's safety nets built into the course. Are you with me? So when you get your grade, if it sucks, then there's two things I want you to do. I want you to, one, don't go driving off the nearest cliff. It's okay. <laughs> and two, come talk to me, and let's figure out where you went wrong. Okay? Because what many of you guys are going to do is be like, oh, I just didn't study enough. And so you're going to study this more of the same crappy studying techniques you use for exam one, for exam two, and then you're like, well, by then, you're going to be digging yourself in a hole. Does that make sense? So I should see, would you agree that if 105 of you got Ds and Fs, that I should see 105 of you in my office hours in an action center? Yes. Okay. I know that I can be a little intense. I get it. I'm a Yankee. Okay, I get it. But I promise you, those of you who have come to my office hours, pretty chill, yes? We yeah. just chat, we drink some coffee, we talk. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Those of you that have come to Action Center, not a big deal, yes? If you're not comfortable coming to me in my office by yourself, then by all means, come to Action Center where there's people and safety. <laughs> and then you can have somebody ask your questions for you. I have literally had that at Action Center where they're like, and you ask Cindy, and they ask me, and I'm literally standing right there. <laughs> but they're so freaked out by me for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, this is how it's going to go. That's fine. So please, I can't help you. I'm not a mind. I can't help you if I don't know you need help. And if you didn't do well and you think, well, I just didn't study enough, well, come talk to me. And maybe that's it, and maybe it's not. 
but you guys don't know what you don't know. So you don't quite know yet if it's your study skills or the amount of time or whatever. It could be that you've spent plenty of time and just have sucky study skills, which is probably the case. Okay? If that exam just totally rocked your world, then we're probably need to talk about some study skills or time management. Okay? So don't sweat it. What you need to do though is you need to figure out right quick to turn your life around for exam two. Because you looked at the information, yes? Yes. It's my favorite section. This is unit four of my favorites. Only because I know it. When I didn't know it, I was crying in a corner like every day, right? It's actually not bad. There's lots of hints and tricks I can give you guys. Second order for this unit is actually easier than the last unit, even though you have three times as many months. <laughs> so you guys have a bone quiz. A couple other things. You guys have a bone quiz coming up next week, yes? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So um, we've got a lot of our bones 3D printed. So, um, but... We, we have to do some sanding down. When they get done printing them, it's not like they come out all pretty. You kind of have to sand things down and all that stuff. I don't know how many of these sets will necessarily be ready by the time you guys need them. However, over in, you guys know where the Innovation Hub is in the library? I think it's there. They have a set of these that you can check out in the library for like four hours at a time. If you don't want to go to lab and you're in the library studying, go over there and say, hey, can I have the 3D bones for human anatomy, and they'll let you check them out for four hours. I think you have to keep them in the library. I don't know. Anyway. But there's, we don't have hands and feet over there because we haven't yet figured out how to print all those five million bones for hands and feet. However, we've got the seven bones you need, the femur, the leg bones, the arm bones, and the patella. Now, keep in mind, these have all been printed at two-thirds size because eventually we want you to be able to check them out and take them home. And so here's our fresh little ulna radial radius. That practice, <laughs> right? But it's got all the parts on it. But when they're two-thirds size, I mean, the femur, you've seen it as big. You can't really fit a femur in your backpack. So we reduced everything, right? It kept sticking out. So we reduced everything. So here's the humerus, here's the femur. So really easy to carry once you, you know, okay? So we should try and have some sets for you guys that maybe some of you guys can check out in the group if you can study, like, over the weekend or something. Does that make sense? Don't forget, I put the 3D things up on Canvas for, for uh, quiz two. Those uh, things are up on Canvas for you to look at the 3D of the bones that you need. Again, does not include hands and feet. Any questions on that? Um, word on the street is that many of you did not do all that great on bone quiz one. I'm not judging, I'm just asking. Those of you that are in, uh, so some of your TAs may have been upset with you guys on how you did on practical one. Tuesday, Thursday afternoon with Chandler? Let's just say this. I was in the office yesterday when Chandler was putting your grades in. Not pretty. Chandler doesn't usually get upset, but, you know. Chandler's version of upset is she just, you know, talks a little longer or something. I don't know. She's just an incredibly even-killed woman, but when she's upset, and then there's Mary, right? I love my kids. Okay, so uh, what we're going to do in this unit. Are you guys ready for this unit? Are you freaked out for this unit? Don't be. Do not listen to my undergrad TAs. My TA should have told my undergrad TAs not to tell you guys, oh my God, it's impossible. You're going to have no time and you just, 
Hit the Xanax now. Now. <laughs> yes, it's a lot of material. It is, but it is absolutely 100% doable. If you do what we ask. Can you just trust me on that? Now, let me tell you something. I wasn't going to show you these right now, but I've got some street cred in this area. <laughs> By the way, you don't get the extra two points. At least one person missed it. Well, I'm not going to tell you who. <laughs> get out the pitchforks. Come on, people. Now, my guess is, is that they just didn't get to it. They just didn't have time, right? It looks like they didn't fill out the last few. They ran out of time. It is what it is, right? It's no big deal. It's two points. Don't be like, two points help me. Okay, so there's a reason why you have that, because you guys know how I feel about organic chemistry. It is the devil. But I want you guys to know that it's important for you guys to know that I have 100% been where every one of you guys is, with getting had grades, and you know, three college degrees later, here I am, and I was sucky once too, <laughs> with terrible grades. And you guys think I'm kidding, but I am not kidding. Here is my uh, chemistry exam one. That is a six and a half, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Fun and games, but it's someone else, yes? That is a six and a half. Yeah, made that one super easy to grade. So notice it's in 1987, don't judge, you weren't alive then. So then I'm like, you know, I'm really going to work hard for exam two. And I did, I brought it up to a 40. <laughs> I was feeling pretty good. I think I even got a tutor, right, and a free tutor. God, I could afford anything. So I got a free tutor, and then we just sat there and talked about other things. So I hated organic, so we sat and chatted for an hour. And then, so then I got. <laughs> yeah, the check mark is yes, you're, a, you're an idiot. <laughs> but the reason why these people did, it was this one, this infamous one of a six and a half. That, and yes, you did put your social security number down there back in the day. There wasn't the internet and all this other stuff, right? But um, this was the one where the professor spread them out on the desk face up. And I had to go down there and pick up a six and a half, <laughs> slink back to my desk. And when I became a college professor, I'm like, no student will ever get a zero on my exam, because that's essentially a zero. Like, I was probably five pity points on that one. I don't know. But I put those up because it is really important for you guys to know that I have been there. I mean, I can laugh about it now, but it was really upsetting because I had, it was a required course for me. I had to have it to move on. It sucked. I think I did a lot of drinking that semester, <laughs> right? But my point is, you guys, it is absolutely recoverable, right? So don't lose sight of why you guys are here and why you're hating life in this course to begin with, okay? This is why you're hating life in this course to begin with, because it's going to help you when you get into your graduate program. It just is. So you can take the more difficult route now 
and rock your programs later. Be less stressed in those programs when you have four anatomy type difficult classes at the same time. Or you can just, you know, do something else. Okay, so be positive. It's not the end of the universe. We'll get you through. Okay? I promise you. I didn't make those up. I'm not in, I'm not in my office. Let's see, what should this student say? <laughs> those are actual emails. All right. So let's go ahead. Can we go ahead and start on this unit? Before I forget, uh, when you guys come to look at your exams, uh, so you guys know how to get to my office. There's a super. If you literally go out this door and kind of go that way, it, it takes you out right at the stairs, and you walk across the sidewalk, and my office is right there. Okay. So you've got one week to come look at your exam in my office. And again, I will unmute the grades when I get over there. You got one week to look at your exam during my office hours. If you can't make my office hours, let me know and I'll have you come in at a different time, okay? But um, to keep down on the crowds this first day when everybody wants to see their exam, if you are A through M, I want you to come the first hour. So 9.30 to 10.30. Ah, wow, 10.30 to 11.30. And then N through Z, come the second hour. Okay, if you have a class or something that conflicts, let me know. Otherwise, I've got 10,000 I get 10,000 people in my office and it's just not. Okay? Everybody cool with that? Questions? I have to get some. Oh my God. I almost spilled some coffee. It's like cold. Alright. So, there are some hints and tricks, lots of tricks in this unit to have you guys get through. If you do what I ask, I promise you your life will be easier. If you go your own way, awesome. But just know that I get the, I get to say I told you so. Okay? So what we're gonna do, is the first thing we're gonna do is we are gonna start you off with just an overview of basic joint types. Why am I starting off with joint types? Because we are talking mainly about, well not mainly, but a big chunk of this unit is muscles. And remember, muscles can only work by crossing a joint. Would you agree? And muscles can only what? They can only contract or pull. So what you are going to want to do in this unit is you are going to want to remember the big picture, which is why it's so important that you guys come to lecture. So I can give you these hints on big picture. Let me just give you one big picture hint thing right now. We'll talk about this later, but this is just what I'm talking about. So on the last exam, and I asked you a question on, about something, and there are five muscles there, right? Were you able to do any kind of process of elimination, or were you just like, and then just tried to answer? Process of elimination is your friend, okay? So, one of the first things you're going to want to do when you're learning these muscles, or these nerves, or these arteries, is do I even know where they are? Can I label them? Don't sit there and sit down and be like, I'm going to learn all the muscles, I'm going to learn all the second order, I'm going to do it all tonight because I'm amazing. No, you're not. You're not going to be able to do it. So start with the basics. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk about a lot of hints as we go through. So for example, these muscles here are involved in what's this motion? Flexion. And these muscles here are involved in what's this motion? Flexion. And these muscles here are involved in what's this motion? Flexion. So all of the muscles on the anterior side of my arm and forearm are involved in flexion. 
all the ones on the posterior side, these are big generalities, there's exceptions. All the ones on the, if I have all the ones over here that are involved in flexion, what do you think all the ones on the posterior side are going to be involved with? Extension. So if I ask you a question about the posterior side, anything about the posterior side of your forearm or your arm, you can right go through and cross out anything that has flexion in the name. You can go through and cross out anything that's not in the arm or forearm. And then narrow it down to a couple of things. Does that make sense? You're going to have to do that on this exam. The stuff is just too much. Okay? So keep that in mind as we go through this. Again, we're going to start with an overview of joints. So when you're thinking about muscle function, if it's crossing a joint that only allows flexion and extension, then you won't be saying, huh, circumduction or rotation. No. Okay? We're going to do that, and then we're going to get into that ratio flexus. It's pretty hateful, isn't it? Don't worry, I got hints on how to do that, too. So let's start with cartilaginous joints. And I think on Monday I put everything up for this unit, yes? All your lectures are up online. Get those done within the week. By next week, I should say, by your own Tuesday. Have you looked at them yet? They're literally like 7, 10, 12 minutes long. You know, so don't feel like you have to do them all once. Okay, so cartilaginous articulations. We have three different types we kind of talk about. We talk about fibrous, we talk about synovial, and we talk about um, cartilaginous. So they're based on structure. That's how we can classify joints. These are our three big types. We can also classify, we're going to talk about each of these in turn, so you don't have to write that down. We also can classify by movement. So if it is a joint that is immobile, for example, a joint between two bones in your skull, then it is a synarthrosis type joint, although that's not a good example because it's a different thing. But amphiarthrosis allows some movement, diarthrosis freely mobile joints. They are though the work bar, work bar, the buffet of movement. So any joint in your body, sorry, is not necessarily where just two bones come together. You can have a joint where a bone and um, cartilage comes together, right? It doesn't always have to be. So for example, where the ribs meet the sternum, there's cartilage there in between the rib and the sternum. Okay, so there's joints there. Anytime you have two things coming together, usually bone to bone, but it can be bone or cartilage. It can be a tooth and a tooth socket. Okay? So we are going to start by, first what we're going to do is talk about these general types of joints, and then after we talk about everything else, we're going to get into specifics of the shoulder, the knee, all of that stuff. But here's just your joint overview, okay? So we're going to start with fibrous joints. <coughs> And fibrous joints are literally called fibrous joints because they are connected with fibrous tissue. Don't overthink it. So here are three different types of fibrous joints. And remember, it doesn't have to be bone on bone. It can be um, a tooth, basically, into a socket. In this case, it's fibrous tissue. So we've got a couple of these that are absolutely immobile, and then one that allows some movement. So if we look first at your skull bones, where your skull bones meet. And do you guys remember how skull bones grow? Is it intramembranous or endochondral ossification? Intramembranous. So the bone grows from the edge, and they lock in those sutures. 
That is a fibrous joint. There actually is some fibrous tissue in between those bones. And obviously it is non-movable unless anyone can sit here and move the bones of their skull. The other type, it's super fun, it's called a gomposis. And that is where your tooth essentially sets in the alveoli of your jaw, your tooth socket. And you're going to do skull bones and skull structure at the end of the semester when we talk about head. So each tooth is bound to that bony socket by those, they refer to them, you may have heard of them, as that periodontal ligament, right? So it's fibrous tissue that locks the root of the teeth into the jaw. It's a gomposis joint, it is a type of fibrous joint, it is non-movable. So those two are our non-movable fibrous joints. And so the other one that allows some movement, this one's a little funky for, for uh, you guys to grasp on sometimes, is this syndesmosis joint. This is actually two bones or two structures united by the sheet of fibrous tissue. So in this case, the syndesmosis, this interosseous membrane, is essentially that syndesmosis part of that joint. It's that sheet of fibrous tissue connecting the radius and the ulna. And that obviously allows some movement, yes, because it allows us to do this. And that was one of the things on your uh, exam. By the way, one of the most missed fill-in-the-blank questions, do you want to know what it was? I want to say it was blue exam, but I can't remember. It might have been white. In anatomical position, the thumb moving away from the body in the coronal plane is what? It is extension. It is not abduction. Remember, the thumb does the opposite. Extension, flexion. I know you guys are like, oh man, I knew that. Sure you did. All right. Cartilage, that's it for fibrous. I mean, there's not much to it. They're joints that pretty much don't allow anything to happen. Gomphosis. Suture. And syndesmosis. So those two types of joints, real quick, let me go back. Gomphosis and suture would be a synarthrosis, antiarthrosis, or diarthrosis joints. Synarthrosis, they are immobile. What about the syndesmosis? It's antiarthrosis, it allows some movement. You are 100% correct. Now, we go on to our cartilaginous joints. Just like the fibrous joints, these are two bones or two structures united by cartilage. So we've got two types. You can see these referred to as primary and secondary, or synchondrosis and or synthesis. We've actually already seen one of these. Remember that C-H-O-N refers to what? We saw it with endochondral ossification. Cartilage, you bet. So the synchondrosis joint, cartilaginous joint, is united specifically by hyaline cartilage. So that epithelial plate is actually a joint, it's cartilage that merges together the epiphyses and the diaphyses of a bone. Functionally what? Is it mobile, immobile, what? Functionally immobile, right? 
unless you can move the end of your bones. It's not going to happen. So the example here would be that epiphyseal plate, which we've already talked about. And then you have joints between the ribs and the sternum. Hyaline cartilage, that's important. The type of cartilage is what's important here. So the synthesis, that secondary joint, that is united by a more fibrous cartilage. And we've actually already talked about a synthesis joint as well in the last unit. Which one? Our intervertebral discs. Remember the outer ring of that. The annulus fibrosis is fibrocartilage. Ah, oh, it all comes together now. That and something that you may or may not have seen yet in lab, that pubic synthesis. So it's kind of in the name, synthesis, pubic synthesis, right? So these are two bones united by fibrous cartilage. The first type, two bones united by hyaline cartilage. Now, what would you think would be the secondary, especially the epiphyseal plate, or excuse me, the uh, intervertebral disc? Whether it be synarthrosis, amphiarthrosis, or diaphrosis. No movement, some movement, full movement. Some, amphiarthrosis. And ladies, you're going to be aware of the some movement on that pubic synthesis if you bear children. Oh, lots of groans out there. That's it for cartilaginous. Easy McCheesy, yes? Let's talk about the joints that you guys all think of as joints. Your synovial joints. Again, I'm going to talk about super specific joints and the details of each joint, for example, your knee joint, all that at the end. But I just want to do joint over you before we get into muscles. Okay? So. Remember, at our joints, especially our synovial joints, you have. Because synovial joints allow more movement, you have to have some structure at those joints that is essentially going to um, help reinforce the joint. Lord have mercy. Articulate. 
So you have a capsule surrounding this joint or this articulation, and you have cartilage in that area. That was just precious. <laughs> I'm going to put you in my pocket. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. So we're going to talk in more detail. So here's our synovial joint. Mother man, we good? Okay. So here's our synovial joint, right? And you can see we've got the capsule, we got a little wall, we've got our space, and we have some of our articular cartilage. So what is that capsule made up of? It's two layers, really. You have a fibrous outer layer, which is the white in this picture. And if you guys have looked at the knees in there, you notice they're kind of, how about cut through all that deep fascia you guys had to cut through? I told you, it's like mummified, right? You have to cut through it. It's just awesome. It can be a real problem with things like compartment syndrome, which we'll talk about, and I'll show you some fabulous pictures. But anyway, so this fibrous tissue you can see around the knee, the knee's completely wrapped around with this fibrous tissue. And that is lined with, if you look at this little purple, is that purple or is that lavender? Regardless, it lines the inside of that fibrous capsule and that is our synovial membrane. We'll talk about that important function in a moment. Okay, so those two things make up our articular capsule. Again, just the capsule surrounding the joint. Okay? So there's our articular cartilage and our synovial membrane. So the articular cartilage is what covers the ends of the bone. So again, that is unique to synovial joint. You didn't have any articular coverage covering the... Uh, roots of the tooth and a fibrous joint, right? So you can see that, and that can wear down with age or any kind of like overuse, whatever, until essentially you get bone on bone, and that's when you have to have knee replacements and that kind of thing, okay? That synovial membrane does have an important function. So that synovial membrane is basically lining the entire capsule that is not the end of these bones. So that synovial membrane is going to line the entire inside part of that capsule that are not covered by cartilage. You can see why most of the inside of that capsule is purple. That's all synovial membrane. And synovial membrane has a quite important function. That's what produces your synovial fluid. And that synovial fluid, my friends, is the motor oil for your joints. That's the lubrication. It lubricates that joint. It nourishes the cartilage in that joint. Cartilage generally has crappy vascular supply, so it provides nourishment to that cartilage. It can somewhat act as a bit of a shock absorber because the whole joint is filled with that synovial fluid. So it's quite important. Mobile, what type of joint are they? Synarthrosis, amphiarthrosis, diarthrosis. 
dire throats, 100%. So these are classified either based on the shape of the two bones coming together, the articular surfaces, or on the type of movement allowed. That's how they get their name. So I think it's obvious how a ball and socket joint gets its name. Might also be obvious how a pivot joint or a gliding joint get their names based on movement allowed or based on the shape. There are two types of joints at the elbow. We'll come across that as we start talking about it. So these synovial joints are allowing limited movement within this articular capsule, okay? So that's an important part of this. You don't have this kind of movement allowed in a fibrous cartilaginous joint. These are allowing limited movement in that articular capsule. So now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about type of movement allowed by each of these type of joints. This is why you guys should know by now, off the top of your head, things like abduction, extension, rotation, circumduction, all of those terms should be second nature to you. If they are not, play some catch up. Okay? So the first type of joint is a gliding or a planar joint. What do you think? Pretty obvious what that sucker does? Now, this isn't super obvious that it's going to be like two super flat surfaces, right? But it's basically two somewhat flat surfaces where there's none of this or that. They literally just, they're two planes that glide past each other. That's literally it, okay? Nothing super fancy there. So in this case, we can see that we're going to have this between. There, is that, you guys recognize that from your bone quiz studying? Mother Teresa. There are two bones there, two carpal bones. And although their surfaces aren't flat, they're flat enough, so the bones there are going to just slightly glide flat past each other, like this schematic right there. And so, in the name, these things are going to allow gliding in essentially one flat plane or axis. In that axis, they can move kind of back and forth, side to side. But they're only going to have that. So if I can find them, one thing you might remember from this unit is much of what happens with the hand, whether it's bones or muscles, happens with the foot. Yes? You notice that the hand bones are very similar to the foot. Flanges are the same. Metacarpals and metacarpals are the same. It's only the actual proximal bones that are different. Okay? So if we find gliding and planar joints, in the carpals, in the hand bones, where else do you think we're going to find them? In the tarsals. That's exactly correct. So we are going to find those between our foot bones, not our metatarsals, our tarsals. We're also going to find them, going back to unit one, hope you didn't do a brain dump just yet. Remember the superior and inferior articular facets that lock the vertebra together? If you think about it, those are just planar, right? Those are just two flat surfaces that glide past each other. And then finally, between your acromion process of your scapula and your clavicle, you should know those two bones from your bone quiz, yes? See how it all comes together, you guys? Mm. Amazing. This one is real obvious because no one's sitting there moving their hand around and like, what are those suckers glide? That's amazing. No, no one's doing that unless you're creepy. But this one you can relate to. This is a hinge joint. 
just like the hinge on a door. What can you do with the door? You can open it, you can close it. You can open it, you can close it. Can you swivel it up or down, anything like Nope, you can open it, you can close it. On a hinge joint, you can only flex it or extend it. It is moving one plane. So it is uniaxial and it allows flexion and extension only. This is the fabulousness of that ulna. And if you look at the ulna, you can see the little part where the, I know it's a baby one. You can see the little part where the humerus sits and allows for flexion and extension. That's it. By the way, it's easy to remember the ulna because it forms a little U. Ulna. What? I have flexion and extension only, and we know that at the elbow, flex and extend. Anybody, um, aviductor, aviductor, their elbow, I'll wait. What other joints do you think are hinge joints where they only allow flexion and extension? The knee is an obvious one, yes. Give me another one. You guys chose like the super, so your elbow, one part of your elbow, so specifically between like mainly the ulna, but the radius can articulate if they can have hingey movements at the elbow, right? So be specific. If I'm showing you the finger here, be more specific. Between what bone? I hear it between a metacarpal and a phalanx. Or, okay, so look at your finger. Pick any finger, be nice. Look at your finger and flex and extend those two joints in your finger, yes? What do we call those joints? They're between what? It's a joint between what bones? The phalanges, right? So they're interphalangeal joints, you with me? The proximal one and the distal one. That's why you see in your book, dip and dip. What? Right? Anybody, I'll give you, I'll give you 20 bucks. If you can abduct or adduct at those two joints. You can do anything at those joints other than flex and extend, I'll give you 20 bucks. You cannot. Interphalangeal joints. And that, sometimes you'll just see that as IP joints. We can be more specific and say PIP or DIP. Proximal interphalangeal or distal interphalangeal. Remember, you cannot use abbreviations on my exams. So you would have to spell it out. But use tip and dip for your... Now, if I have this on my fingers, where else am I going to have hinge interphalangeal joints and my toes. That's exactly right. Interphalangeal joints, the same for hands and toes. Let's talk about a third type of joint. It's a condyloid or ellipsoidal joint. So here's my metacarpal, here's my phalanx. So we're talking about that joint right there. What do we refer to that normally? Just commonly. What kind of joint is that? What do you call it? Thank you. I'm like, what are you guys calling that joint? I hurt my metacarpal phalangeal joint today. No, you didn't. You hurt your knuckle. Right? Unless you don't, you don't call the interphalangeal joints knuckles, do you? Say no. Because that ain't right. These are your knuckles. These are the ones you crack, and your parents say if you're going to continue to do that, it'll stay that way forever. So this is based on an oval surface fitting in kind of a concavity of the same. It's an agonist. So take an egg and stick it in your spoon, and that's essentially what you have. 
planes here. Now, we just did a finger example. Inner phalangeal, you can only flex and extend those inner phalangeal joints, right? What about that metacarpal phalangeal joint? What about the joint between your hand bone and that first phalanx? Can you flex and extend that joint? Yes? Can you do anything else with that joint? You can circumduct, and if you can circumduct, then that means you have to be able to do what type of flexion and extension? Abduction and adduction. Right? If you can flex and extend, and you can abduct and adduct, you can circumduct. Can I rotate at this joint? I'll give you 20 bucks if you can. Now, now if my friends, I can do this, if this is metacarpal phalangeal joint, my MCP joint, sometimes it's called MP if you're being general, but if we're being specific, MCP. What other joint is this gonna be at? Talk to me if it's in the hand, it's in the foot. So our metatarsal phalangeal joints as well. So our two big movements here, the two planes, flexion and extension, abduction, adduction. This should help you when you're studying your muscles. If you have a muscle cross these joints, in some cases, it can't do anything other than what that joint allows. That makes sense? Number four, saddle. It is literally in the name, and I know you guys know what saddles are because we're in Oklahoma. <laughs> right? So this one's unique. There's one, and depending on what book you read, maybe two, saddle joints in the entire body between your trapezium and that first metacarpal. Literally at that specific spot between the trapezium and that first metacarpal. You may see this listed as your carpo, your first carpometacarpal joint or your trapezium metacarpal joint, which you can see from the picture. So much spinning. Lord have mercy, I must have been high when I was making this. So much spinning. You, it's just like sitting, you're like you're sitting in a saddle. And if you're sitting in a saddle, right? This is me sitting in a saddle. What can you do in that saddle? You can flex and extend, right? Can you go side to side? Sure you can. This allows, that same movement is the one before it, convoluted soil. Flexion and extension, abduction, adduction, biaxial movement in two planes. So it's functionally the same as a condyloid joint, it just has a different shape. So, therefore, to make everyone's lives miserable, we're going to call it a different joint. So, this is our carpal metacarpal joint. Again, you might see it more specifically as trapeziometacarpal. Always forget the other joint that. I want to say it is, yes, your sternoclavicular joint. The one between your sternum and your clavicle can also be considered. I don't usually worry about it, but just an FYI for future reps. I'm not sure what you want to touch. So, in our hands, my friends, this is actually missing one of our hand joints. We've got planar between the carpal bones. We've got a saddle between the trapezium and the first metacarpal. We have condyloid our carpal metacarpal. What joint are we missing here? Hinge in the inner phalangeal joint. Which of these joints would you not find in the foot? Saddle, and that's exactly the type of a jam question you might take. Last but not least, ball and socket. Not last, second to last. 
oh my gosh, I think this, you guys get this as the name of what? It's a ball in a socket based on it. This is the buffet of joints. This does it all. Flexion, extension, abduction, abduction, circumduction. But this does what the other ones that do those things doesn't do, rotation. So you can see that this is at your hip. Where else do you have a ball and socket? Your shoulder. So if you guys are doing your shoulder, right? Flexion and extension, abduction, adduction, rotation, circumduction. It's the works bar. Your ball and socket is great. We want ball and socket joints, sort of. Because the more mobile a joint, the least stable the joint. And so you get things like this. Here is your humerus. There is your glenoid cavity of your. It's just a few inches in front of it. One thing I want to tell you real quick, we've got one more to do, but it's not a big deal. We are having action center today, okay? We might have a worksheet on joints, but what's important is we are going to go over for whoever shows up, and you can show up whenever you want. We're going to start talking about some tips for how you might go about attacking the material in this unit, okay? So come if you want. I'll put that stuff. Remember, M first hour, please.